Mike and Cindy, you guys can go ahead and be seated. Um, if you are in grades 5 through 12, I'm going to go ahead and release you to your time. Uh, both our junior high and our senior high, uh, they meet their leaders over on the side there. And if you're new and sent your, uh, have your kids with you today, you can send them to check that out, or they're welcome to stay in here as well, too. Uh, but that happens each and every Sunday uh, that our middle school and senior high go for their time of teaching. We're going to get into our time of teaching here uh, as the lead pastor here. I have the the, the privilege and the opportunity to bring God's word to you on most uh, Sunday mornings. And so I'm glad to do that this morning. Um, we are going to be in the gospel of Luke chapter 19 this morning. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you have uh, that app, or you can turn to your Bible on your device. If you need a Bible, we want everyone to have one. Um, so go ahead and uh, uh, put up your hand if you need one. One of our uh, servants will bring you one. Um, we're in a series that we started, it's just a short series, three weeks, uh, it's a series called I'm In, and uh, we got into this series last week by uh, talking about being uh, all in for families. What we're talking about over these three weeks are three areas that God has really laid on our heart as a church that um, we are very excited about, that we are passionate about, and that we want to invite you to be part of. Because uh, the way church works, it's not just that there's a few people that get it done. No, God has called us to be his church together, and we're all a part of it. So uh, in this series, when I talk about uh, these topics and then give you a chance to kind of say, hey, I'm in with that. You may be uh, brand new and looking for a church, and so maybe you're like, hey, I can agree with that. I want uh, some of that in my life, and uh, I'm in to this church. Maybe you've been here for uh, years uh, and are looking for how you can be more a part of God's plan in your life, and you would say, you know what? Uh, God's calling me to step up and step forward and say, I'm in. Now, last week, if you were here, we had a, uh, what I think was a very wonderful moment at the end of the message where uh, I asked, after kind of presenting this subject of being in for families, I asked everybody who believes God has a plan for families, stand up. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, raise your hand. Uh, and then we were going to turn in these cards uh, when we came to the offering. Um, now, uh, to be honest with you, um, I kind of botched the cards up. And uh, uh, we didn't... Uh, because I know there were people here who wanted to be a part of it throughout the week. People asked me, but we really, to be honest with you, only got four cards in the basket. So um, what I've learned over the years is we really don't like that method of responding. Um, it doesn't work. And so I'm not sure why I decided that we were going to try that again. Uh, but it didn't work. But here's um, uh, what I do know is that out there that we do uh, value this, that you do want to be a part of it. Um, one thing that we can grow in as a church is uh, how we enable you to serve, how we make it clear for you to connect rather than all these different ways. If you've been with us, this may have been uh, a, a cause of frustration for you. And so um, here's what I want to tell you. If you are new or if you haven't connected in serving yet, I'm going to give you two ways that you get connected in serving in Discovery. Okay, number one is this. It is through our Discovery Christian Church app. Uh, I think we have a slide here. You can download this app. If you have it, you go. There's a series of cards. Um, one of them is a serve card. Okay, under this tab, connect. If you go there, there's a spot just to put your name, to put your email, and then to select a couple areas where you might be interested in serving. That goes right to our staff. Uh, we will contact you that week and connect you in serving. Okay, so that's the simplest and easiest way, but we also recognize not everybody uh, loves the digital thing. And so on your way out today 
And in future Sundays, there will be some sign-up sheets on a table out there. If you like pen and paper, uh, you can sign up for a few different ministry teams out there. If you go out here, hang a quick left, there will be somebody there with some sign-up sheets, okay? And then we can make sure to get connected in the way that you serve. We're in it together. Um, let me introduce today's topic uh, before kind of we get to it. Um, and here's where it comes from. Um, over the summer... Uh, I had an opportunity with my family to actually get a little bit of vacation here, and uh, when we're on vacation, we often like to go visit some other churches. Um, I have some pastor friends, and I like seeing what they're doing, and, and so we had an opportunity to go to another church, and um, we pulled up uh, in our minivan. I have four kids, so we have a minivan, and uh, uh, we pulled up into the church parking lot, and now my kids grew up in this church, so uh, there's no question on what they do when they come here. They know it very well. Um, I've been here for 15 years now, and uh, so we know this place pretty well. But we pulled into the parking lot, and uh, my kids asked the question, Dad, what are we going to do here? And um, I thought, and I said, you know what, kids? I don't know. I don't know what it looks like when we pull into this parking lot and when we uh, walk towards this church. Hopefully there will be some signs Hopefully there will be some people to welcome us and guide and direct us and to help us know. But I had like this little bit of fear. You know the feeling. Some of you are just showing up here. What are you going to find uh, when you get here? Where do you go? What do you do? What does this church uh, do? How do you fit in? And so we showed up and signs were uh, okay. But I had a friend there. He ended up showing us where to go. Got my kids in play. We had a great time. Um, but then I came back to our church here. And uh, I started coming with this lens of what it's like to be a newcomer. And um, it's not that I haven't had that lens before. My wife and I, we operate quite a bit with that lens and view our ministry and try to, but it's different when you've experienced it. And sometimes in the church, we can get a little bit comfortable. We know what it means to come into church. And I, I grew up in the church, so it's easy. I'll go to any church and just figure out what to do. Some of you know that feeling, but some of us, we're showing up not from a church background. All we know is that God or something is tugging on our heart a little bit, and we feel like we should maybe go to a church, see if there's a little bit of hope there. And we show up to a building that is a school most of the days of the week, and where the signage may not be great, where you may or may not interact with people, where you walk into something, we start singing, we go through kind of all this stuff. If you show up with kids, you don't know what to do with your kids, and that's very unsettling. And so um, this may resonate with some of you recently or even today, um, but today we're going to talk about this um, because we must see through the lens of the newcomer. Continually. Now, we're going to talk a lot about Sunday morning today. What we believe about our ministry is it's not just about people coming to church, that we are a church that goes, and we need to see through a lens of people who don't know Jesus everywhere that we go. But today, we're going to talk about our Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the newcomer. And some of you, I recognize this may be a little awkward because you feel like, well, um, uh, I'm the newcomer, and you feel like you're Today, we're going to uh, kind of reveal our cards a little bit as a church. Um, because we have a lot more newcomers that are coming, and it's a topic that we need to talk about as a church. Uh, because as we continue to grow, we don't want to lose some of our values. Um, we're going to kind of, you know, Wizard of Oz, you know, pull behind the curtain and show you some stuff. But if you are a newcomer, I hope what you take away from all of this 
It is that our God is a God for the newcomer that welcomes those who have been far away, those that have been wandering, to those that are looking for a new thing in their lives, to those that need uh, some help to take the next step in their walk with him. God is a God of the newcomer, and he loves us. He loves people that show up, and as his church who express his heart, his hands, his love, we need to grasp the heart of God. And then we need to talk about how we live that out. Um, the passage I want to use today is um, a story of Jesus uh, and a man by the name of Zacchaeus. It uh, comes in Luke 19. Uh, Jesus is full-on busy in his ministry at this point. I mean, he's healing sick. He's casting out demons. The crowds are many. He's investing his disciples. They're going deeper and deeper with him. And in that context, it says in Luke 19, verse 1, that he, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, let me pause there for a moment. Jesus was not going to Jericho. He was not going to this scene to do a specific ministry. He was passing through. But on his way to some other ministry, his heart was open to another ministry. Or may I say another person. What I want us to grasp is that this was a sovereign appointment by God. That even though we are often passing through one place or another on our way to another place, we always have to have a heart for one more and to pause when God shows us. Verse 2, it says that, uh, Behold, as Jesus was passing through, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, meaning the crowd, meaning his disciples, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Lord Jesus, I pray um, that we wouldn't just read a story this morning, but that we would see your heart, that we would see your actions, and that we would be transformed by the understanding of how you once reached out to us, but now that you call us to reach out and welcome others that want to see you. Jesus, I pray you come teach us through your spirit. In your name, amen. So a story here, if you grew up in the church, you know um, the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he. Who was Zacchaeus? Uh, Zacchaeus was, we're told, he was a tax collector, in fact, the chief tax collector. Now what that meant back in those days, I mean, uh, we generally don't like tax collectors today either. But back then, it was a very bad thing. What it meant was that you may have grown up in a Hebrew Jewish home 
and you defected because you wanted money and you went over to the side of the Romans who were cheating out your own people. Tax collector was a very bad word in that day. But it made him rich. He was rich. Sometimes I think we feel like, well, God doesn't like the rich. Um, it has nothing to do with being rich. Sometimes it has to do with where our heart is. We're also told that he was small in stature. Now, all of this sums up to say Zacchaeus was an outsider. He was somebody who wouldn't have been in the religious elite. He was somebody who didn't fit. He was the type of person that uh, most church people might just want to pass by. But we're told that he was a running man, <laughs> that he climbed up in a tree that he might see Jesus, that he acted hurriedly and gave no small efforts. Now, this reveals the heart of a man who, yes, maybe on the outside didn't look like he fit in, but when it came down to the heart level, he's the type of guy that God looks for. Maybe he was the type of guy, I don't know totally his situation, but maybe he was just desperate. Maybe he had, through years of trying to fill a void by getting rich, uh, by being all alone, he found himself all alone. And he was desperate for something or someone else. Maybe he was somebody that, though it seemed like he had everything physical in his life, he was tired of being on the outside. So he longed to see Jesus. I want to shift to Jesus, because ultimately this is really about Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. And so what does Jesus do? Remember, he was passing through. This was not his focus on that given day, but by the Holy Spirit, he came to that place, it said. The first thing we need to understand about Jesus is he came to that place. Simple words, but you and I too, we come to a place. Now maybe you feel like you came to this place, whether it is the city of Davis, whether it is to a university, whether it is to a Sunday morning, and you feel like you're just passing through. But our God is a God of sovereign appointments, that he plans our steps. And there is no just passing through that we just get by and get on to what we want to be on. We need to pay attention to where God has us. And Jesus came to that place, and it says he looked up. Jesus looked up. Now, even just think maybe about how we come to Sunday morning. Do we look up to see? Or do we kind of put our head down? We know where we're going to. We just want to get into the seat so we can look ahead at what we want. Or do we take the time to look up? In the midst of a crowd, in the midst of a lobby, do we look up to see not just a bunch of people that have come together, but do we see the person, the person who has a name, the person who has a story, the person that has a background, the person that wants to see Jesus? Do we take the time to look up? Jesus looks up and he calls him by his name, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, what's in a name? I mean, how does it feel when somebody calls you that guy or forgets your name or when somebody knows your name? Now, it's important to note here that 
uh, Jesus didn't know Zacchaeus. But because he was God and by the Holy Spirit, he knew his name and he called out to him. He said, Zacchaeus, come down from here. I must eat at your house today. Third thing that Jesus did is Jesus entered in. In a very practical way, he went to Zacchaeus' home and to his house, which in that day and age was very significant. Zacchaeus responds and goes home and welcomes it. Now, it'd probably be a little bit weird today if I met you and I'd say, I must come to your house today. You'd think it very weird. I'd probably run fast. But to Zacchaeus, who was trying to see Jesus, who was trying to get to know him, that Jesus called out his name and said, I want to enter in. Now, maybe for us today, that means more like knowing somebody's name and pausing to enter into a conversation rather than just going on to whatever we had planned. What does it look like for us to enter in today, to get to know the person, to hear the person, to know their name? Jesus enters in. And the response here is amazing. Zacchaeus climbs down from the sycamore tree. He goes home. Uh, Jesus dines with him. Zacchaeus uh, promises not only to get things right moving forward, but to make good for what was in the past. It's an amazing picture. Zacchaeus receiving him joyfully, a picture of salvation, that when somebody sees Jesus and hears Jesus, that they receive Jesus with great joy. It's an amazing picture. Only we stop there. Verse 7. And when they saw this, they all grumbled. Who's they? Maybe the religious leaders. But at this point, if we were to look at the crowd and the verses before, we see that the disciples are there too. All of those who had once seen Jesus and left their past. Now they grumble at the place they wanted to go to, that their experience with Jesus may be a little bit hindered. And in fact, it says that they say, he's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Resembling very well what back in Luke 15, verse 2, it had said, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Seems to be a theme. This causes Jesus to go in Luke 15 to three parables. One of a lost coin, another for a lost sheep, and finally for a lost son. The story of the prodigal son where it tells of somebody who has wandered away, that was lost, that was gone. And yet day after day, the father in the story sits waiting with arms open, looks out, wondering, will today be the day that the son comes home? Jesus felt the need to tell those stories to remind very deeply that the son of man has come to seek and to save what is lost. Sometimes, as church people, we can have the response of the religious. I've got a plan for what it looks for me to be with Jesus. But we fail 
to pause. We fail to look up. We fail to see the heart of the man, Zacchaeus, who is desperately, so desperately seeking to see Jesus. That for a tax collector to climb up in a tree, for a tax collector to run ahead, he was desperate to see Jesus. And above all, we see the heart of Jesus, who as he was passing through, came to that place and looked up and he saw and he entered in. Now church, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of the gospel that we believe in. That there is a God who sees those who are on the outside and loves those on the outside so much that he sent his son not only to earth but to the cross. Opened his arms wide and outstretched and received and back. And my friends, my church, this isn't a story about those outsiders those aren't stories about those who are the small in stature or those that live their life what a way. It's a story about each one of us. Because each one of us, we are Zacchaeus. We are on the outside. We didn't deserve to come in. But Jesus came to us. If we can only remember when the gospel was new and fresh to us, how we felt lost in our sin on the outside, no hope, enemies of God. And he came to us, and we saw him, and we heard him, and we received him with such joy. The gospel seeks deep into our hearts, can't help but overflow in who we are. There was a story uh, in the news, um, a photo that went viral. Maybe you've seen it. I think we have it here. Uh, Florida State football player Travis Rudolph who uh, went into a school, not expecting to do this from everything that I can tell. But there's a young man named Bo Paskey with his red hair there and glasses that kind of resemble mine. And day after day, that boy sat alone, just like that. But on that day, a man saw and a man went over and sat with him. The story has inspired so many people, it's all over the place. I, I don't know the motivation of Travis Rudolph. I don't know his heart. But what I do know is that this is an amazing picture of the gospel. And that it's more for those of us who know Jesus, it's more than inspiration. Because we are not just inspired by football players. We are transformed by Jesus and by his gospel in our hearts. And this must sink deep into who we are. And we need to ask the question today, do we tend to help or hinder those who want to see Jesus? Is it our tendency as a church and as individual Christ followers tend to help or hinder those who want to see Jesus? By either our activity or our inactivity? Do we hinder those who God would open his arms to? It's a question for us to think of. Are we like the crowd? Sometimes as a crowd, it's not that we would theologically say that this isn't true, but we just get busy in what we're doing. 
and the crowd moves this way and that, and we fail to see the person. We can hinder in many ways. Are we like the crowd, or are we like the sycamore tree, part of God's creation that on that day helped an outsider see Jesus? Who do we want to be, and how do we get there? Even if we have the right hearts, sometimes our actions get in the way. Um, and so today is not necessarily to chastise us in our hearts. It's to bring some evaluation of where we are. And some Sundays I'm greatly encouraged by what I see uh, overall. But as we've grown, we've got to ha- ask, how is it that we build this culture in every environment of our church, in our homes, in our discovery groups, as we live it out as individuals, in our public places, but also um, on a Sunday morning. Today I want to focus on Sunday morning. I mean, we showed up here, most of us passing through. We came to this place. And friends, we need to begin to see that Sunday morning is not just a place that we show up. I mean, this is a sovereign appointment that God has planned. In fact, there are many of you this morning that I met in on the way here. That's your first time here. I don't think it's any accident that you are here. That today is the day that he wants you to see Jesus. That if you're new to town, that he wants you to find a family that will help you and equip you for the journey that's ahead in these next years. That if you showed up here as a family, that will help you walk the path of family discipleship. And for those of us who have come here for years, it's no less of a sovereign appointment. Yes, Jesus wants you to see him fresh all over again, but he also wants you to see the people around you, those that are showing up. We come to this place, and it is indeed a sovereign appointment that God wants to use. When we look up, when we look up and see, If you look up and see today when you exit this place, you will see that there are people like that young boy, Bo Paskey, on their side, standing by themselves. Every Sunday there are. If you look in the seats afterwards, you will see that there are people that are not rushing out, but that are sitting, crying, praying. when we look up, and when we choose to enter in. I've already said, I don't know that we need to start inviting ourselves to people's houses for lunch. But how is it we enter in with conversation? How is it that we see the person, that we know the name, that we remember the name? If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably had experience like I did in, uh, when my wife and I first started going to church out in Santa Rosa, uh, week after week, bless her heart, there was a woman that introduced herself to us every week. And I'm willing to give her a ton of grace. Um, I don't know her story either. But that's not who we are. People that see a face, that hear a name and quickly forget. I know there's challenges to knowing names, but let me talk to our discovery leaders here for a moment. Knowing somebody's name makes all the difference, because it's not expected in this culture. It's not expected. In fact, when I remember somebody's name, the response almost across the board is like, wow. And when I forget a name, the response is very forgiving. 
when I call somebody the wrong name like I did in the lobby today. They say, that's fine. You know lots of people. But what it speaks to when we know a name is that we care. Many of us will know the names of our football players today when the team takes the field. Will we know the names of a few? Will we enter in, not just getting to know somebody or shaking a hand or handing a worship guide, but to get to know them? Here's what I challenge us moving forward as a church. On Sundays to show up and to meet three new people. Meet three new people and enter in with one. To go more deeply. To get to know them. To remember them. To pray for them throughout the week. To care for them. To invite them to your group. To invite them out for coffee. To get to know them. To hear their story. And to know what it is that they're showing up here to look for. That we can be Jesus to them. When we show up here, do we come to this place? Do we look up? Do we enter in? I want to close up by getting very practical with um, a few other things that I feel. I've called them three life-transforming statements. Ultimately, I think they are three culture-transforming statements in our church. As we've experienced growth, I know as we go through these summer months, numbers dwindle down a little bit, but in a couple weeks when everybody's kind of back and locked in, this place will be full, the crowd will be moving. How is it that we maintain a culture of knowing everybody's name and caring for people and sharing Jesus as a church that grows? Three statements that I want us to grasp. If we will remember these statements, I think it could transform our culture and keep us being an arms wide open church. Number one statement is this. It's not just about me. It's not just about me. Notice I added the word just in there because there's a tension that we live in. We've been very clear that our Sunday morning, even for those of us who've been in church for for years, that when we come and we see Jesus and we worship, God is giving us something that we desperately need to get through the weeks. And so there are some days that we show up and we just need to see Jesus because we have nothing to give to anybody else. And that is exactly why, even for our staff, we have made it a policy this year that uh, our staff are to show up and have Sundays where they don't serve, where they don't work, but they just worship with their families because we need that too. So we understand the tension of showing up to receive, but we need to understand it's not just about me. At some point in our discipleship, our path of following Jesus, we need to look at Luke 19 and realize that Jesus was not just about what the crowd wanted. He was about reaching out to others. And as we receive, I mean, if you're here, if this is your first time, if you are grown, by all means, sit in the seats to receive and, and to see Jesus. But at some point in our discipleship church, we must begin to realize it's not just about me and receiving me and showing up to church for me. For me, this trans, transformation in my own life happened probably about 16 years ago. Um, you see, I showed up to church. I would drop my wife off to church. She would go. She would serve. I would go sit in the donut shop um, until she was done serving, and then I would show up to church. Never crossed my mind that I should step forward. I was ignorant that I should step forward and actually serve alongside my wife or to be a part of being there for others. It was about me. 
What happened was uh, 16 years ago, my father passed away. I was at his funeral, and people were standing up all over the place, giving testament to a man who was not just there for himself, but who loved God in such a way that he couldn't help but love others. And at that point, I came out of my life and said, it's not just about me, that there is something going on in eternity that my life needs to be about others as well, that I would love God in a way that I'd be filled up with Christ in such a way that I would be worth something to others. And so be filled up. Spend time with Jesus throughout your week. Be deep in God's word and realize the plan that he has, that it's not just about us. Number one statement, it's not just about me. Number two is I have a part. First Corinthians says, now you are the body of Christ, each of you are part of it. This is not about who's on staff or who's in designated leadership. This is about who is a follower of Jesus. And if that is you, then that verse speaks to you and says, now you are the body of Christ. Each of you is part of it. This is not about, well, the extroverts, they're good with new people. I'm better behind the scenes. It's not about this. Each one of us have a part in being Jesus to the church and to the world around us. Each of us has a part. And I need to repent of some things because when we were smaller as a church, God gifted me in such a way that I could be out there. That I believe that he spiritually helped me to remember people's names. And as the church grew, there, there were two of us at that point that were the, the welcomers. I wasn't even pastor at that point. I, I was one of the welcomers, and people felt welcomed in. As we grew, I said, I still need to be that to everybody. I still need to be out there. But you want to know, one day I woke up and I realized this. I came home from church and I was heartbroken because I realized I had shook hands and smiled and said good morning to a lot of people. But I had not entered in with any. I realized that had become my pattern. And at that point, I decided that, you know what, I can only be who God has called me to be. And we need to develop a culture of people who do the work of welcoming in. And so for all of us who are our leaders, we're part of that. For all of us, no matter what you're gifting, you have a part in this. Some of us today will join the welcome team because you have a smiling face and when people see you, they just feel good about being here. And you need to be out in the lobby and you need to be back by our kids' check-in to show those who come up and are a little bit nervous, a little bit apprehensive, don't know what. And you don't have to kind of accost them in the corner if they don't want that. But you need to welcome in. Some of you, that's who you are. And you can pull out that app right now and you can label that that's what you want to be a part of. There's lots of other ways to be a part of it. Some of you are amazing behind-the-scenes people. And the things that you see here are done by people that free up those great people, smiley uh, welcomers to do what they need to do. I'll tell you, some of the things you see around here, none of these people would want to be named because they're not at all those type of people. They're those sacrificial servants. But there's a table when you walk through the door here that has a beautiful board that's out there, and that was done by Danny Resendez. 
who's the creative mind behind the coffee that's out there and getting that done so that many people can be welcomed in. There's a man, Dave Roberts, who showed up at 8 a.m. this morning. I don't know what time he had to show up at storage to wheel in a trailer that would hold these speakers. And week after week, there's somebody who does that. You never know them because you show up at 10 o'clock and it's all set up, ready to welcome in. There's a man by the name of Asa Utterback that Sunday after Sunday, though his back is paining him, shows up and sets up the classrooms for your kids. You probably don't even know who he is, but he's faithfully done it for years. He's hurt and he's sacrificed to be there. Everybody has a part. I guarantee you, you probably don't even know what goes in there. We're gonna, we have a video to show just to give us all a glimpse of what happens on a Sunday morning to experience what we experience. Do we have that video? All right, let's queue it up. Every Sunday for 15 years, there have been people that show up at 8 o'clock, which means they have to be up well before then. The people that you see in that video, a lot of them do it every Sunday. And we do it for the newcomer because when 10 o'clock hits, we want people to show up to be able to just be welcomed in and not worry about what went on on the stage or went on in the lobby. And afterwards, people will stick around well beyond the lunch hour to put it all back in the box. Now, if you're a behind-the-scenes person, said, I'm not very good with people. I'm better with boxes. Um, this is a way that you can be a part of welcoming in the newcomer because some of the people that show up every Sunday, they, they are good people people, but they're overwhelmed with the tasks that are there. So now would be a good time to pull out that app and to sign up for setup once a month and say, I'll be a part of it. Now, I, I will confess to you, and I will take personal responsibility for the way that we've talked about this in the past. We've made it a drudgery to show up. We have to show up early. We have to set stuff up. We have to unpack the boxes and pack them back in. And we haven't led well in this area. But here's what we need to know. We get to serve the king. We get to show up with the expectation that on this Sunday, people are going to see Jesus. 
that on this Sunday, we get to do little tiny things like cutting bread that will enable somebody to remember the cross of Jesus and the forgiveness for their sins, that we can carry a speaker, that we can pour a cup of coffee that will welcome somebody in. And this is something to be excited about, an opportunity to see that we get to do rather than a drudgery that we're going to be forced to sign up for. Now, I hope that we have a culture that will sign up for those things. I hope that we have a culture that not only on Sunday morning that you will be hospitable in your discovery group to recognize that when somebody shows up to your home, it's a nerve-wracking thing, and they need to be loved. And when they're sitting alone, they need to be welcomed in. One final statement that I have for you, and it's this, that we would know that we love new people. Simple statement, we love new people. Get used to thinking it in your mind because we need to know that we love new people. Love is not just a subject, love is a verb, right? We know that. And so how is it that we will see that we love new people? One of the ways is in the language that you hear. That when we speak from a stage, that I'm aware that there are not just newcomers with a church background here, but there are newcomers without a church background here. And so sometimes we make a lot of assumptions in church and we talk about things. And uh, you may have shown up here and you're like, I have no idea what you're saying. What is a son of Abraham? Sometimes we worry, well, won't that make our teaching more shallow? Not at all. We will go deep. We will challenge. We will look at all those things. But you'll hear me explain certain things. When I stand up here and say, uh, welcome, my name is Pastor John. It's not for those of you that have been here for five years and know who I am. It's for the newcomer in the sea. And when you hear that, that should help us to think that there are people there who have no idea who this guy is standing up and about to talk for 40 minutes is. We'll hear it in our language, in what we do. We'll see it in the things that we do. You know why we need PowerPoint? It's not for those of us who have heard the songs on the radio. It's for those who have no idea what we're singing about or why and can't follow along. We need some signage. We just this past week, we purchased $2,000 worth of signage. Signage is expensive. It's just a fraction of what we need. But when you show up next week, hopefully, or definitely by the Sunday after, you'll see some new signage. And it's not just so that as church people we can say, oh, that looks nice. It is with the newcomer in mind because they show up knowing, needing to know where to go to drop off their precious loved ones. Where they need to go to enter in where they might see Jesus. Another way that we'll see that is by taking care of this facility and cleanliness. You know, I think it's a hindrance if we show up and there's dog vomit by the front door like there was this morning. I think it's a hindrance if in our nursery the floors are not vacuumed. And the reason why is not just because we're kind of prissy and like a clean floor. No, it's because when we drop off our loved ones and then we enter in, we want to be able to focus on seeing Jesus and not worrying, where did I just drop my kid off? And so in a lot of those practical ways, we express that love, and that's what it's all about, is that we love new people. So when we called to set up 
uh, it's really not for the experience. I would just stand here without a microphone and, and shout it out. Um, it's because of the new person coming in. We could go without PowerPoint, but the reason that we say we desperately need somebody to run those words is because we love new people. Because we need set up people. Because we need coffee. And a lot, it's about the new person. We love new people. And yes, we all appreciate being part of this community. But know this, we love new people. We desperately want people to see Jesus. Desperately want people to see Jesus. Now, I know that there's a lot of people that want nothing to do with Jesus, that are repelled by Jesus. But we also know, just like for Zacchaeus, Jesus is attractive. He either attracts or he repulses. Our job is to be there for those who are attracted, to those whom the Holy Spirit is opening their heart and giving them a desperate need for something, even though they don't know where it is. That's where we come in. That's where we ask the question, are we helping? Are we like branches of the sycamore that help somebody who just wants to catch a glimpse, to catch that glimpse? Or do we hinder by our activity or inactivity? Not just on Sunday mornings, but in everything that we do. And so church, I would call us this morning to remember what it was like that moment when we were new. Either new to the kingdom of Jesus or new to the church of discovery. And that I would ask you to be a part of extending those arms to everyone that will come. To build that culture. If you're new here this morning, again, I hope that what you see is that our hearts aim to align with God. And he has an amazing heart for you. And he has an amazing plan for your life, an amazing next step. And we just hope, we just hope that we won't cause anything to hinder that, but we'll help you on the journey he has for you. Maybe you showed up here this morning and, and you were kind of like Zacchaeus not knowing what you needed, but you just wanted to see something. Maybe you knew his name was Jesus, maybe you didn't. But this morning you know that he has a heart for you. As a church, we will always be imperfect, but he will per perfectly love you. He perfectly sees you this morning. He calls you by name. He's ready to enter in to dine with you. Let's go before him, Jesus. Jesus. Forgive us for the times we have not thought with your mind or led with your heart or carried out the actions of love that you have called us to. Jesus, we want to, we want to love the people that you love. We want to be your hands and feet here in this city. God, we want to be here for those people that move from miles away that find themselves in a new town, in a new city, not knowing anybody. We want to be there to help them on the journey you have for them. Jesus, we desperately want to be here for those people that don't know you, that have never seen you. I pray that as we go, not only for those who come on a Sunday morning, but for all of us as we go throughout our weeks, that people would see you and that we would see them that we would love them. So Jesus, I pray that you'd stir our hearts, knowing where each one of us is at. Help us to be the church that you called us to be, to be a true reflection of you. I pray, I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.